Well, God has a special gift for a couple of more of you. I, I can't decide if this is the same car or not. One says there's a Honda, a gold Honda Accord with your lights on. It's parked in the last aisle of, all the way in the front. And then um, there's a, a, a Honda Accord EX, champagne color. Now, I'm going to talk to the uh, usher who, who the color reminded them of champagne. <laughs> Is there something? No, I'm kidding. Uh, QCQ51A. Uh, we will still be here when you get back. We are taking all year long, as you know, to train people for ministry so that we can be salt and light in the world, so that we can be vessels of God's nature. That's what holiness is. Holiness isn't our goodness. Holiness is God's nature in us. And then as we live in the world, it seeps out, and people are blessed with His nature. And we've begun the very practical training, following the pattern, uh, as Reggie alluded, uh, in, in, found in Ephesians 5 and uh, 6, where we begin to note the, the characteristics of somebody who is filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a present imperative, verb, tense, and mood, and it means keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's something you can allow to happen, you can ask to happen, because everybody leaks. So you got to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what, and then it goes on to describe the characteristics of someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And it starts out with the most intimate uh, relationship we have, and that is um, um, marriage. And it begins to describe the ministry that we have and the characteristics that, that Christ has in that ministry. First thing it says, submit to one another. If you, if you are married and you have not yet learned submission, it's a hard lesson to avoid. You will learn it or you will suffer because we are to be mutually submissive. We are to come underneath each other's missions and lift up each other's missions. Christ was submissive. He was obedient unto death. That's His characteristic and it should be our characteristic. We are to learn proper authority in, in the, in the um, in the value of the relationship between the parent and the child, we are to learn both how to respond to proper authority and how to exercise proper authority. That is out of the characteristic of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the ruler of all the universe. As we learn to do that, Christ is given into the world. We are to learn about peer relationships, about brothers and sisters. Um, um, we are to learn how to complete one another. The, uh, Romans 8.29 says that Christ was the firstborn among many brethren. Therefore, He is our older brother. And so we need to learn how to be brothers and sisters. We need to learn how to treat people who are equal to us. And we need to learn, learn it better than, than Cain and Abel learned it. They competed. We need to complete. We don't need to compete. We need to complete. Our ministry to peers is to complete what they have started. And then, last week, we had a great uh, lesson on extended family. Extended family. We, we talked about the genealogy of Jesus and how he had some real corkers in his genealogy. And we've got some real characters in our genealogy. But God, in his sovereign grace, mixed them all together to make us who we are so that we could pass on to other folks um, um, a, a special blend of ministry, so to speak. Now, Ephesians 6 goes on like this. Slaves, 
be obedient to your masters. It leaves off the family and it goes on to work. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about work. We're going to be talking about, and this is a very narrow line because in, in, the, in the New Testament, slaves were a part of the household. They were a part of the extended family. And for many of you, people at your work really are more like extended family than they are just like workmates. I mean, they, you, you spend so much time with them, they become your very good friends and even like brothers and sisters to you. And so how do you minister to them? We're going to spend the next three weeks uh, talking about that. This week, we're going to talk about by doing a good job. By doing a good job. But first, you've got to examine something about your attitude toward the job that you've been given. Let me just ask you this. How many of you think that the job you've been given in life is really, really important in the big scheme of things? Watch this. A housewife. That's all I am. Or do they call it a homemaker these days? I don't know. I am so out of touch. My life is just this list of things to get done. Get the kids up and fed. Make the coffee. Make breakfast. Get my husband off to work. Watch Barney, Rugrats, and Hey Arnold. <laughs> then clean the house. Cook lunch and dinner. Get the kids back to bed, listen to my husband talk about his day, go to bed and get ready to start it all over again. I always thought I'd do something that would change the world, something that would really speak to other people. You know, I wanted to be a writer. I write. That is, if you call what I do writing. You know, I always dreamed I'd write that great American novel. People would read it and it would change their lives. They'd come up to me at book signings and tell me how they stayed up all night long and cried at the last chapter. <laughs> the truth is, no one's really affected by what I write. I mean, not really. I mean, I have a small column in a local newspaper and I comment on highways and schools, local politics, and you know, whatever. But I don't kid myself. No one's life is being altered by what I do. I mean, my columns are just my thoughts. Whimsy, really. What I do is not substantial to anything. I just don't contribute in a life-sustaining way. I have a farm. Whole family works it. Kind of a hard life, I guess you'd say. I guess it is. I don't know. I've never done anything else. Don't have as many acres as I used to. Had to sell a few off over the years, pay the bank, keep the machines running. Thing is, you see, you, you just never know about prices from one year to the next. A lot of folks had this way, gave up some time ago, bought out, moved on. I've had some offers. Maybe I should sell. I don't know. Thing is, there's just not a lot of family farms anymore, you know, mostly conglomerates. Family farmer pretty much lost his usefulness. Sometimes I wish that I, uh, I did something that helped people more. 
truth is, oh, what could I do? I, I didn't even finish high school. If I'd been smart, I would have gone on to college, been a doctor or lawyer. I've been practicing law for over three years now. I was lucky, I guess. Both my parents were attorneys. I went to a great prep school, graduated from Boston College Law School, and of course was immediately put on my dad's firm. Not that I'm cutting any slack around here. Quite the contrary, probably more is expected of me. I have no weekends, holidays are a joke, and my social life consists of talking to my brother on the phone, occasionally. Sometimes I think about what it would be like not to be a lawyer. I mean, that's hard to do because I practically grew up in the courtroom, but am I really contributing anything out there, you know, where it counts? Sometimes I dream of what it would be like to be really making a difference by having a family, raising kids, or just being a housewife. That's all I am. So let me ask you again. How many of you think that what you do is not really important? I mean, in the whole scheme of things, there must be something more meaningful, something better, something that would make more of a difference. If you have that attitude, I am so glad you came tonight because I want to teach you a truth of Scripture, and that is this, that God has you doing exactly what is important right now. He has placed you in a ministry of eternal significance. And if we understand that, we will understand much more of God. The first thing we need to consider is what a blessing work is because it reflects who God is. The Bible says we're made in His image, which means we have the capability to actually reflect who He is. And God is a worker. If you doubt that, turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we'll just start it out like the Bible started out. God in creation made creation by effort. He made it by speaking. The speaking took effort. And the Bible says that in verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Now, I want, I want, this is not sermon. This is just a little parenthetical note. I want you to note that when God was doing work, he was satisfied piece by piece with what he did and not worried about what he didn't do yet. 
I want you to know that he took a break at the very beginning. Everything, every time he did something, he kind of took a break. He said, oh, that's pretty good. He didn't, he didn't get done with making the light and go, oh, but man, now I've got to do the seas and the heavens and the stars and all those little creeping things. I mean, there's millions of those things. i got so much to do. You know, he enjoyed what he did. He enjoyed what, enjoy what you do. You're made in the image of God. Anything you accomplish, you just got to go, oh, that's good. Well, I got that done. That's good. And then I want you to notice this. In chapter 2, it says this. Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all of their hosts. And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And when God made man, the first thing he did was give him a job description for his work. Look at verse 15 of the second chapter. And then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. Work really comes in two general categories. That is, no matter what work you do, your job is to bring forth that which is not yet there, and to protect it after it's brought forth, to preserve it after it's brought forth. Whether your job is, is manufacturing or selling, whether your job is motherhood or prayer, your job is always to bring forth that which is not yet and to preserve it. And I want you to notice that this is still paradise. This is still the Garden of Eden. Work was always meant to be a part of paradise. It was always meant to be a great sense of satisfaction, of contributing to the world, no matter what it was, even gardening. But there came a time when work took on a special hardship. Didn't mean it was bad, it just took on a special hardship. Turn to the next chapter with me, chapter 3. In chapter 3, verse 17, it says this, Then Adam's, then he said to Adam, then God said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, there's another sermon here I'm not going to go to. <laughs> not going to go there. And have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Doesn't mean you're cursed. The, the work is not cursed. It's just going to be tough. It's gonna, this is the rule of the world. If you want anything good, it takes effort. That's the rule of the world. And it says it's going to be... When, when Adam did work in the garden, he wasn't worried where he was going to eat. He wasn't worried about the crops. He had all of the trees of the garden. It wasn't the thing about eating. It was the thing about doing something that was constructive. But now it's connected with the results. And it says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Work will not only be hard now, but it will be a hard ship many times. But overall, you've got to remember this. Ecclesiastes, verse 3, I'm sorry, chapter 3, 
verse 13. It says this, Moreover, every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Even in Ecclesiastes, where he keeps saying all is vanity, he still says work is the gift of God. When all is said and done, it's still a special deal. It's still something to be happy about. Uh, ben Patterson wrote a book one time, said there's really two types of people. One works, looks at their work with the, with the attitude of the dwarfs who, who got up every morning and started thinking, I hope, I hope, it's all to work. I mean, real happy. Or the attitude of the bumper sticker that you see very often, I owe, I owe. It's off to work, I go. <laughs> what is your attitude toward your work? What is your attitude? Well, this is important. No matter what your present attitude, it's important that you work. It's important that you put in the effort, that you recognize it as a blessing. It's important that you fight with everything you can, the tendency toward laziness that all of us have. It's important. It's important. It's important that, that we understand I read a book uh, one time that talked about this, this evangelist. Jones was his name, and he would go and hold uh, evangelism meetings, and, and people would come to Christ. Uh, but that wasn't the end of it, because the next night, the next morning, after they got saved the night before, he invited them back to another meeting called a quitting meeting. A quitting meeting is where you went and you publicly repented of the stuff you wanted to quit, of the sins you wanted to quit. And so here he is, you know, and... and He's got this meeting with these people who have come to Christ the night before, and, and one of them stands up and says, I'm quitting smoking. Hallelujah, brother. I'm quitting drinking. Hallelujah, sister. And, 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 and he, all the time, this preacher's kind of watching this one woman. She's not saying anything. Well, now, back in that day, the preachers, you couldn't get, I mean, they'd just come right up to you and just, just right in your face and ask you what's up. And so he's kind of got his eye on this woman, and, and finally the meeting's almost over. She still hadn't said anything. He, he goes to her and he says, sister, what are you quitting? And she looks at him. And she says, Brother Jones, she says, I haven't been doing anything, and I'm quitting that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It is worthwhile to quit doing nothing. It is worthwhile to, to realize what God is putting you to give. I had a football coach one time, Bill Varble, who, man, I tell you what, for the kids who just went out and had absolutely no athletic ability. Boy, he took it easy on those guys. I mean, I mean, you know, you remember high school football. I, I mean, you go out because the uniform is a chick magnet. I mean, not everybody wants to play high school. They just want the uniform. So there's these people out there with absolutely no athletic ability. And he just go to and say, honey, just do the best you can. But what he could not stomach was a kid with athletic ability who just tried to get by. Who just tried to get by. Man, he was on them like mud on a pig, saying there is no way. He climbed their frame. Why? Because he couldn't stand unrealized potential. I want to tell you God's the same way. He can't stand unrealized potential. 
He's given all of us something to contribute. That's what we need to contribute in the degree He's given it to, to us to contribute. So therefore, it is not just the activity of work or the attitude of work that is important. It is the excellence of work that is important. Our memory verse this week, Colossians 3.23, says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as unto the Lord, not for men. You know why? One of the reasons is with men you can get by with just about anything. I mean, if you stay in a profession long enough, one of, the, one of the things I'm most cautious about is ever hiring somebody that has been in the ministry for more than 10 years because, because you learn how to cut corners. You learn how to just get by. You learn how to look like you're really doing something when you're really not doing anything. That is true in any profession. So don't ever, ever do your work as to men because men will always give you the excuse you're looking for. God won't. Our God is a God of excellence. He's a God who pays attention to the details. If you have a doubt about that, turn to Exodus chapter 25. And when you get home tonight, I challenge you to read the detail of the instructions for the building of the temple the details for the instructions for the actual building of the temple. Now, these people could have had a high-ho attitude, but they had to come through with very exacting, practical action. That's what God expected of them. I saw a, a cartoon this week someplace um, of this clown that showed up at an office, and, and he said, I, I, I'm from the copier repair company. He had a clown suit on. And he said, I, I came, I came um, because you reported that your copier is broken down and I just wanted to make you a little bit happier about it. <laughs> That's not what they need. That's not, I see so much in the world, people trying to change people's attitudes. Well, go ahead and change people's attitudes, but do the work. We need the action. We need, we need what, is, what is solid. We need what is, what is doable done. We need the job done. And so, God, for the next, you can start at, and, and we won't read this tonight, but for the next six chapters, God gives detail after detail after detail after detail of what he wants done in that temple. Now, here comes the question. Do you think those details are as important as the worship that will take place in the temple? Turn to chapter 31. And look at what it says. <clears throat> Chapter 31, verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel. Look at verse 3, it says, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Look at the last words in that verse. In all kinds of craftsmanship. The Hebrew there is workmanship. It means a practical hands-on skill. Look at the next. To make artistic designs. Verse 5, the cutting of stones. Verse 5, the carving of wood. Verse 6, in all the hearts of those who are skillful, I have put skill. Now let me ask you a question. Why does it take being filled with the Holy Spirit 
to do a craft? I'll give you the answer. Because that's every bit as important to God as the preaching of the Word. That is a ministry that requires the same degree of the Holy Spirit. Because that's just as much a part of the ministry as the dispersion of the sacraments. Look, look at what it says in Acts chapter 6. Let me show you this. Acts chapter 6. Starting with verse 1. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. You know what we have here? We have a waiter problem. Those of you who go out to eat, you know, don't you, that the attitude of the waiter is as, as, as important to the enjoyment of the meal as the quality of the food, isn't it? We had a waiter problem here. And, and this is what it says. And the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables, but select from among you, brethren, seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, to put in charge of this task. Why did they have to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because waiting tables was as important to God as the dispersion of the Word. And it required the same filling of the Holy Spirit. That's the attitude. That's the understanding we have to have. Let me, let me do something here. Who, who here likes to go out and eat? Who here likes to go out and eat? Okay, good. Would you help me out? Stand up, Stand up just for a second, Jim. What's, what's one of your favorite places, like with waiters and waitresses? What's one of your favorite places? Olive Garden. Olive Garden. Oh, yeah, I like Olive Oh, yeah. Now you're talking my lingo. Let's say, let's say tomorrow you go to the Olive Garden, and I come and, and, and I'm waiting your table. Now, the first thing you might think is, we just are not paying this guy enough. But you are. <laughs> but you are. You're paying me enough. Let's just say, let's just say that somebody in Northland got sick, called me up, said, Joel. Could you fill in for me? And let's say I did. Let's just, let's just say it. Okay. So here I am waiting on your table. All right. What do you usually order? Pasta. Oh, yeah. I love, oh, yeah. Let's say that I do a really good job waiting your table. Will you give me a nice tip? Sure. I mean, okay, sure. He said, will you, will you give me a little bit extra because I'm your minister? Will you? <laughs> Just a little bit extra, because I'm your minister. You know. look like that. Yeah, okay, that. good. All right. That's all I want to know. That's all I want to know. Yeah, he said. Yeah, he will. Well, you know what? <laughs> Let me tell you something. The person who waits on you every time you go out, if that person is a Christian, is your minister. You know, the Greek word diakonia means ministering. Ministering. You should always tip your waiter or waitress as if they were your minister, because they are. A little follow-up tonight is tonight, Becky and I ate at uh, uh, Steak and Shake, and the, and the girl comes over and says, oh, you're Pastor Hunter. I said, yes, I am. She said, I was in church yesterday. You're going to tip me as your minister? <laughs> New story. <laughs> I say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 
The point is it's all important to God. It's all important to God. You know, one of the main mistakes we make in life is to wait to put out our full effort because we think something more important is going to come along later. You know, it says in Matthew chapter 25, verses 22 and 23, it says this. The one who had received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me to two talents, and see, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, there's a very simple formula here. And the simple formula is this. If you're not good at the details, you won't be good at the big stuff. If you're not good at the things that nobody thinks as important, you will not be good at the things that everybody thinks is important. You will never have a more important job than you have right now, ever. Because the job you have is just as important to God as anything you think you want, anything you think you want to be set over. We've told this to our kids since they were this high. And because of that, I really think that someday God will set them over something. We've got two kids graduating uh, uh, this month, one from college a year early, another from high school a year early. And the one, from, one that graduated from high school has figured out how he can get through college in two and a half years. So that he can get to, he, he just turned 17. He's entering college as a sophomore. He wants to be in medical school by the time he's 20. Now, I know what some of you are saying right now. Oh, that poor boy doesn't even have a childhood. <laughs> Aren't they just driving that boy terrible? I bet he doesn't have any fun in life at all. You know what's fun? Being competent is fun. Being good at what you do is fun. These guys enjoy life because they are putting their all into it. They are working at whatever they have. Student is just as... I hear students say, well, when I get a job, I'll work. Not if you don't work as a student, you won't. Mm -mm. It doesn't work like that. When I have something really important to do, or when I get paid really enough, then I really put my heart into it. Mm -mm -mm -mm. No, it doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. It is so important to understand that what God loves is a job well done. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. This is the instruction to slaves, to servants, to, to, to those workers. It says, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. This is the companion verse to the Colossians 3, 23 and 24. It says, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill render service as to the Lord, not to men. You know what we really need to do? We really need to understand that God gives us the Holy Spirit in order to do a good job every day. We need to associate a Spirit-filled Christian. Listen, 
I know people who think that being filled with the Spirit means you have big hair and you talk religious stuff all the time. And that's the mark of being filled with the Spirit. Well, people with big hair may be filled with the Spirit. But wouldn't it be great to have an understanding that people who are filled with the Holy Spirit do what they're asked to do? And they do it with integrity. And they do it to the best of their ability. And if they're paid for eight hours of work, they give eight hours of work. That's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Slaves, be obedient. Do the job that's in front of you. Pastor Orlando brought up a very good point. He said, do you know how much time we could save if we quit worrying about our careers and just, just did the job in front of us? That's exactly right. How much time, how much anxiety if we just did the job in front of us? There is a resemblance to the excellencies of God. There is an image of God for the person who will do a good job. That's what God did for the, with the world. Did a good job. Did a good job. And so that's what we're supposed to do. Now, not only are we supposed to have an understanding that work is a blessing. Work itself, innately, is a blessing. And not only are we supposed to understand that, that excellence really reveals the, the character and nature of God. But we've got to understand this. Our work is our testimony. Do you understand that 40% of the people in this country, what's supposed to be a Christian nation, ha, 40% of the people in this country will never darken the door of a church, ever, or a synagogue. The only thing they see that is of God is you at work. You. Now, let me ask you a very serious question. Do you think they care what your theology is? They don't care what your theology is. What they care is, are you pulling your weight? Are you doing a good job? When you are competent, when you do what you need to do with excellence, you build the credibility that when you do speak of God, they will listen. If you lead off with God, what's that? Or if you're sloughing off on your job and you speak, you're actually building a disrespect for God. If you don't do your job well and you're trying to witness, forget it. Forget it. You have just inoculated that person from Christianity. But if you do what you need to do and you do it with all your heart, that person's going to listen to you because our work is our way of witnessing. So there are a couple of things that we need to remember. First of all, don't go into your work with just an attitude that says, well, um, um, this is just something I do until I can really get into the... I mean, God may call me into the ministry someday. I, we have people coming, Orlando and all of, all of us who are up front, have people come up to us continually and say, you know, someday I might be in the ministry. Our response is always the same. You are in the ministry right now. And so, so it's very important to not just to go into the work and say, well, someday. It's, it's, it's important to pray about your schedule every day that God would fill whatever you do with his nature and his excellence. It's kind of like the little girl I heard of one time. Who was, who was coloring a picture for her dad. 
and she had her crayons out, and she was concentrating so well. Said, Daddy, I'm coloring a picture for you. So she got this little picture uh, all, all ready, gave it to her dad. Her dad was shocked at how good it was. He said, Honey, this is, this is fantastic. How do you draw so well? She stopped for a moment. She said, Well, first I think, and then I draw my think. <laughs> you know what, Christians? First we pray, then we do our prayer. That's the important part. No matter what your job is, pray about it. Wake up in the morning and say, Lord, bless not only the details of the day and the actual physical work of the day, bless the people who are around me. Because I know that this is a responsibility you've given me. I know that. I remember a, a long time ago, remember when Albertsons used to have an a advertising campaign where they, get, they went through the, to the supermarket and there's this little guy standing in a produce department. And, and his, his line was this, Joe Albertson owns this supermarket, but the produce department is mine. <laughs> I want you to know God owns this world. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord and everything in it. Everybody knows God owns this world. We're simply stewards. But your area of responsibility is yours. He's given that to you. And He's given it for a purpose. If you have your scriptures, it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, this. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. I'm thinking of another <laughs> cartoon I had. One, I saw one time. I read a lot of cartoons. Ziggy cartoon. I love Ziggy. Ziggy was eating at this restaurant, and he was looking up at this sign, and the sign said, if you are not fully satisfied, write Dear Abby. <laughs> a lot of us just say, don't, don't want to hear about it. Don't be complaining. No. It's our responsibility. 1 Peter 4.10 says this. Each one of you has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards. You know what a steward is? It's simply a manager of another's goods. Everything you have, God has given you, but you're the manager. As stewards of the manifold grace of God. Grace is unmerited favor. So God has chosen to put us over a certain department of the world. And we need to not only pray it as before we get there, but we need to pray for it as we are going through it. Here's one more thing, then I'll, then I'll sit down. Am I over time? I am over time. What time is this service supposed to get over? <laughs> Man, I'm way over time. How did I get? Midnight. Midnight. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be killed after the service. Okay, I, 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 I'm sorry, but here, here, one more thing. Brother Lawrence was a, was a Benedictine monk. And Brother Lawrence found that he could be as close to God devotionally washing the dishes as he was singing in chapel. You know why? Because not only was he doing something constructive to contribute to the world, 
But while he was washing the dishes, he was praying for everyone who would eat off those dishes. No matter what you do, no matter what you got your hands on, pray for the people that you're going to give it to. Pray for the people that you're serving, that they can receive the grace of God. Pray with me right now. God, thank you that you have entrusted us with our departments of the world, that you have made us managers. And thank you that what we are doing right now, if it is constructive, there is nothing more important to you than us doing a good job with what's in front of us. So give us that sense that that is our worship. Help us to make our bodies living sacrifices to you, which is our spiritual service of worship. And since we spend so much time with those living bodies out at our work, let our work be a good part of our worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. Let me ask the prayer team to come forward. And let me caution you, every time you give a sermon on work or a human effort, I want to say one caveat. The rule of the world is that you don't get anything great without effort. But the rule of the kingdom is salvation is free. It's probably the only free thing we'll ever get in our life, but it is free. And there's no amount of work that we can do to earn it. Everything we need, Jesus Christ has done for us. And all we need to do is accept it, invite Him into our hearts, let His payment go for our sins, and He will make of us an entirely new person. Therefore, if you want to do what you're doing to the glory of God for the rest of your life, and you've not made that commitment, we would invite you to come and and let someone lead you to Christ tonight for that whole new life. And tomorrow you can be quitting stuff. <laughs> Secondly, I know that some of you are going through real struggles at work. What I've given you is general. And you say, yeah, but man, I got this deal you don't know about. But you need to pray with somebody about that. They'll pray with you about that. And some of you walked in with just some open wounds. And it wasn't about work. It was about other stuff. And you still need to pray with somebody about it. They will pray with you about that. Now, we're going to say our memory verse together. And it's going to be on the screen. And, and, and for those of you who did memorize it, you can close your eyes and say it. And, uh, and the rest of you, just let's read it. Okay? Let it sink into our hearts. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Let's go and serve Him. Amen.